So Anna, you know, when you work here, you get like a card. And then every time you work with Rue, you get a stamp in your card. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then when you get like so many stamps, you can then trade it in. Yeah, the stamp card, yeah. Well, like, you know, I've, I've been here a while now and I got enough stamps that we managed to trade the Rue in for a Dave. <gasps> no way. <laughs> Hello, Dave. Hello, hello. I'm I'm honored that you would trade your Rue stamps for me. I just that's that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's it's so good to have you with us. Well, thank you so much for uh, inviting me on. I, I listen to you guys every week, and I really like the show. That's good. It's, it's more than Rue does because I mean he doesn't listen to the show. He doesn't. Famously turns up, does it, and then has nothing else to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> Those are big shoes to fill, so I hope you're not expecting me to fill those shoes. No, not at all. But we do have some interesting uh, Watchtower Weekly this week, so let's jump in. Yeah. The first one, well, actually, there's been a, a lot of commotion about voice boxes. It seems like the three major contenders have walked back having humans listen to the recordings, which has always been the downside of the Internet of Things is that, you know, they're smart devices, but they're always backed up by people in rooms listening to your recordings and watching you through the doorbell and, and all this stuff to kind of label and, and make them smarter. And uh, that's always been the kind of creepy side of having these things. And we always, especially on the show, actually defended Apple and were like, we don't think Apple does this. And it turns out they do. They had contractors listening to the, the recordings and a whistleblower went to the Guardian and yeah essentially said that that they regularly hear confidential medical information drug deals business meetings sexual encounters and, and private information yikes yeah it's it's really interesting that Apple didn't foresee this being leaked they have since walked that back and and they're now they're not doing that and they are going to have an opt-in to improving the service. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to clarify that, actually. They actually didn't say opt-in, but they said that you would be able to choose as part of a future software update. So don't know whether it's an opt-in or an opt-out. But I'd continue with this program, if I'm honest. I think I would, too. I uh, I don't know. Maybe, I'm, maybe I have too much uh, compassion for the machines. But at the end of the day, these poor things have to learn somehow, right? And I know Sarah, my wife, my wife, Sarah, she wants to love Siri, but Siri records a lot of her stuff uh, incorrectly. <laughs> and so I'm sure Sarah would also want to opt into this so that she could make Siri work for her a lot better. Maybe like leave messages to the to the contractor that's listening and be like, look, you guys need to fix this. Like <laughs> <laughs> That would be like a pro level feature. Right. I think she would be happy to pay for that. <laughs> and they do say like it's only a very small percentage of recordings that actually get kind of graded and listen to isn't it i think it's like something like less than one percent and i think the recordings are only about 30 seconds in length i mean i know i don't want to make excuses for them here but it is only a small percentage yeah so the the interesting thing about this story was that it came out and there was a big kind of media reaction to it and then google followed suit so Google actually stopped doing this as well. It was almost months ago that that a broadcaster said that contractors were also listening in on, on Google Assistant recordings. And Google said that they don't associate audio clips with user accounts and this sort of stuff. Whereas the, the interesting thing was that Apple actually said that, you know, the recordings are accompanied by user data and showing location, contact details, mm. app data, and, and all kinds of stuff like that. So it's interesting that 
almost Google had the better privacy in, in terms of giving the stuff to the, the contractors. Yeah. But it's, it's really good that both of these have walked it back. Mm. I'm not sure Google have really announced what they're actually planning on doing yet, apart from suspending the service for three months. So we'll have to see what happens there. But yeah, they're both kind of, or all three of them are kind of bowing down to the pressure of these kind of EU regulators. Yeah, that's the interesting thing as well. So Apple did this and just stopped, right? And it seems that Google has only stopped this in the EU. Yeah. It really surprises me that Apple included the uh, personal information there. Like, I'm an Apple fanboy, so, you know, call me what I am. But I have to imagine there was like a mistake there or something. Like, it, the, the, that information should have never been there. Like, some, someone must have got their wires crossed. Either that or it's like a third party company that has stepped in. Like, I wonder whether they they farm this out to someone and they weren't looking after it quite as well as they should have been. If it's a third party company, then I'm even more upset, to be honest, because it's like, you know, I don't want my personal information leaving Apple. Right. I trust Apple more than 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 most companies because they they do a really good job on the privacy side. And I guess that's what's really surprising here is I'm not sure if it's a worldwide uh, effort or not. But here in Canada, anyways, the ads for Apple for the last two or three months have just all been privacy, 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 you know? And so to, to have that as your marketing campaign and then learn that, you know, um, this information is coming out about your personal information along with your recordings and possibly going to a third party service. I, I don't know, like, I'm really happy. They just said, no, we're, we're done with this and, and put an end to it. It looks like they put an end to it everywhere, which is really good. Not not just the EU. I love a lot of what Google does, but I, I wish they had a stronger stance on privacy because Google sounds like they just don't want to get sued by the EU. <laughs> yes. That's what it kind of sounds like there. I feel like Apple have kind of, yeah, positioned themselves as the kings of privacy almost. And I think therefore they kind of hold a heavier responsibility for this stuff. And maybe it sort of hits them a little bit harder. Whereas Google, I kind of assume are absorbing all of the information they possibly can. Yeah. But I also assume that because that is essentially their business intelligence, right? That profile on me is everything to them, that actually they secure it pretty well. Yeah. But the, the interesting thing was, you know, the third player in this, Amazon, actually, they aren't stopping this, but they did add clearer and more comprehensive opt-out settings. So you can go to your Alexa box and go to privacy and manage your data and find out all, all the ways that you can stop them listening to you there that's a solid solid answer to this i trust amazon the least out of those three <laughs> yeah why is that i feel the same way i feel the same way i'm not sure why because i feel like google i know what they're doing with the information amazon i'm not too sure if they have a really good profile on me is it just because they want to sell me more random things yes <laughs> yes. I mean, is it though? Because they run a lot more things other than the shop Amazon. And I think if you look at my profile of buying things on Amazon, it would be terrifying to build intelligence from that. <laughs> Google, it's their competitive advantage is all the data, right? So they really want to protect that. And Amazon, it doesn't seem like as much of a competitive advantage for the data. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it is, but it just, uh, maybe, maybe if I was running a, uh, a clothing store, I, I would just be killing for that data. But uh, it seems Amazon's advantage is more being able to deliver stuff much faster and shipping on weekends and like all this type of stuff, right? Like it's, it's less of a competitive advantage. Whereas for Google, it's like, it's a huge part of so it. So should we move on to the next um, 
I, I'm going to call it hysteria rather than, than an actual news story. But Forbes are reporting the encryption debate is over, dead at the hands of Facebook. Pretty mortifying description, really, isn't it? Yeah. Facebook have obviously denied what this means. But essentially, the, the root of the article is that they have enabled something that on the app side could mean that they could send your keystrokes in clear text to themselves and then encrypt it and then store it, right? So they've basically bypassed themselves. And this can be done through kind of a flag on their end. So they could flag you as a person and then they'll be like, okay, this guy, we need to get him to have his information sent in clear text. So, I mean, it's a, it's a really complex one um, because obviously they're not doing it kind of trying to defeat encryption, right? They are doing it for some analytics reasonings and some advertising reasonings. But it, essentially, this is what they're doing, right? They haven't added a backdoor to WhatsApp. They say they have no plans to ever do this, but technically this isn't a backdoor. It's kind of a, a side entrance. <laughs> <laughs> So they haven't used it for what Forbes is kind of saying that they now have the power to. But I think it's a very dangerous precedent. Well, it's a very clickbaity headline. Yeah. I always tell myself, don't click on the clickbait headlines because you're just feeding the machine and then you'll end up with more of them. But I, I remember this came up on Apple News. I was like, as soon as I saw it, I'm like, oh, I have to read this. So <laughs> I, I, I fell for it and I, I read it. I read it through. And it seemed to me like the use of Facebook here really was to generate clicks. It felt like, cause like what they're describing here could be any app, to be honest. You can advertise end to end encryption and, and all these types of things. But at the end of the day, you have to trust the, the app provider to actually, you know, A, do that properly, but B, not kind of sidestep it. I guess what I found most interesting about this entire article was, you know, in, in our business, right? You have to keep on imagining what type of attacks would happen against you. Like if I was in government, this is what I would be trying to do, right? I would just leave the encryption as strong as possible so everyone feels safe. But then I would come along and I would find a way to just sidestep it. But uh, isn't this exactly what Snowden was describing in his documents? Essentially, yes. I think it, it was a bit more kind of hidden and, and nefarious. Whereas, yeah, Facebook's model is essentially is fairly simple i know there's like been huge debates about uh whatsapp they, they want to know what's inside the messages so they can advertise to you better but it's end and encrypted so it's it's very nefarious but like for facebook itself like as far as i know they don't claim end to end encryption at all no no this was um this was relating to to whatsapp and so what they actually wanted to use it for was content moderation and blacklist filtering like they'll be updated on a central cloud service, but will run locally on the user's device, scanning each clear text message before it's sent and before it's encrypted. And then when it detects violations, it will essentially quietly stream a copy of the formerly encrypted content back to the central servers to analyze further. Yeah, that's the bad part, right? We, uh, we do the same thing with Watchtower. We download a database of known compromised websites to each device and we scan it on device. But then we, of course, do things differently from there. We tell the user that there's a problem and, and have them fix it without us ever knowing that, that there was a hit. But sending it back to Facebook itself, like that's certainly the bad part. Yeah. It makes me uh, wonder whether 
something like Little Snitch will exist for iOS devices in the future. I don't know, for like blacklisting and stuff like that, that seems like Facebook is being forced to do that, don't you don't you feel? Like for if it was for putting ads in, like it would be like they're doing it for their own gain. But if it's for blacklisting, it kind of feels like they're being forced by someone to do that. Yeah, that's very true. I wonder which government has the most control over Facebook. Well, I mean, of course, from an actual like control point of view, but I, w- I wonder which actually has the most pressure because it, it seems like the US government actually hasn't fined Facebook that much money, but the EU is just constantly hammering them over every offense. And so I wonder whether Facebook as a company are more kind of listening to other governments that are fining them so much or, or whether it's pressure from the US. So we spoke to Kit Boger this week. Uh, so he's the YouTuber that uh, basically films himself uh, baiting scammers. Hi, Kit. <laughs> Hi. I'm really glad to be Thanks here. Thanks so much for coming on the show. It is, uh, it's really weird to kind of hear your normal voice. <laughs> I mean, I can do like, I can be other characters if you want. <laughs> Throughout the podcast, I could ask, answer questions in different voices for you. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's, it's such a good voice changer. Like I've never heard one that does it so well. Like the, the little bit of kind of telephone static on the, uh, on the old lady is just so good. (laughs) So, I mean, to describe your YouTube channel, uh, it, it kind of says that like, you know, every day there are scammers taking advantage of people. You call them to waste their time, walk them through like their script and kind of expose their lies uh, like this is all so good. And I have shown, uh, my, my parents who, you know, they're absolutely a target of, of this type of scam. Um, and, and I show them your videos all the time. How, how did you kind of get started doing well, this? Well, I think about two and a half years ago, maybe time flies by really fast. So it's hard to keep track at this point. We'll say two, three years ago. I was doing something on YouTube. I would like to say working, but (laughs) I'm not sure. And a video was recommended to me. Maybe you've seen the hello, this is Lenny autoresponder script. Maybe seven minutes of an an older gentleman. And he auto responds to telemarketers. It was a script that was built. (laughs) And so this this gentleman would he he would like someone would call and say, your Microsoft license key is expired. And this gentleman would say, Oh, good. I can't hear you. Can you repeat that? And it was seven minutes long is what the, it would repeat every seven minutes. And this video was about 50 minutes long of a tech scammer every, you know, talking to him. And eventually the scammer realized he was talking to a recording and he got really mad and he hung up. And I, I thought it was fake at first, admittedly. I thought it was funny, but I was thinking who would go, you know, who would take 50 minutes out of their time to talk to this guy? But I started clicking some other videos and doing some research and realized hundreds of millions of dollars were going to things like tech support scams, IRS scams, you name it. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm a millennial who works on computers every day, who has for years, and I had no idea this was going on there's a high probability there's other people that don't know this is happening. And my grandparents who weren't, were no longer with us at the time, but they had Alzheimer's and dementia and things where I, I knew they would have fallen for it. You know, they relied on people like trusting people. And I think it was at that point where I 
just felt like I wanted to do something. I wanted to tell people about it. I never imagined having a stream. I think initially I thought I was going to maybe be more of a vigilante, like shut them all down somehow. But I just, I started streaming it because I wanted to show my friends and my family. I wanted them to see how easy it was. I think it took me about five minutes to find a scammer who wanted to talk to me on the phone. And it shocked me how quick and easy it was to find someone. Yeah, that is, that's crazy. I get these calls all all the time. I, I think it comes with the nature of kind of spreading your phone number around the internet (laughs) unfortunately mine has been you know i've had the same number for like 10 years so yeah it's it's so kind of interesting the different scripts that they have but really it all comes down to there's such a level of trust in the other person when you ring up and say i'm from microsoft (laughs) the the assumption on our generation is yeah right but the assumption on, on a different generation is like, oh, and how can I help you? I have a Windows PC. You obviously yeah. called because you know I have a Windows PC. I think it's really kind of interesting that the dynamic there and, <laughs> and the changing in voices just helps so much with the scammer getting a mental image of, of who this character is. Right. I think, you know, things with cybersecurity can be so deadly serious and, and boring sometimes. So was it your intention to keep things comical and entertaining like from the very beginning? No. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of like I said, I just dove into it thinking I want I love learning. That's always, I've always loved learning and I knew enough about virtual machines and a little bit about security to feel confident enough that I would let a scammer on the virtual machine and feel moderately safe. And I thought, I want to find them. I want to tell my family about them and find out as much information as I can about these guys and kind of, it was more of me investigating, I guess, in the beginning, just trying to learn as much as I could. And somewhere along the way, I developed this concept of if I could keep them on the phone for a certain amount of time, that at least they weren't talking to someone else's grandma was kind of my thought process. Aww. That is very true. And and some of the ways that you kind of keep people on the phone is amazing. <laughs> I feel like you've you've developed and honed being irritating to to these scammers to a to a perfect art form. I have personal favorites in my head is at the conversation where he was trying to convince you that it was a horse and you were like, no, it's a cat. They've asked me how many cats in this capture. And you're like, oh, no, this is like a, that's how they get in the wild. They just get really big. <laughs> that was one of my honest, like, I was in tears at that. Um, another one was where you basically just said the words to the Fresh Prince song. Yes. Just, just in a general conversation. It was just so oh, well done. Man, I have a huge grin on my face right now. Just, I will <laughs> say something that's interesting because I don't really have like acting experience or anything. I just... You know, I just have fun and, but I, I really do become the characters. So I will rewatch the videos to edit them, to put on YouTube, or I have editors who help me now, but I still review what they edit and I'll be sitting next to my wife at night watching these and I'll just start laughing or I'll start almost reliving the experience because when I was on the phone call, I was granny Edna. I was, you know, (laughs) I really was just being a grandma. Channeling the grandma. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
So can you walk us through one of your favourite or most memorable scans? Yeah, because if you don't, I'm just going to reel off all of mine. <laughs> yeah, Matt's already said his. So. It's, it's kind of a funny question, right? What are your favourite scams? But I, I, know what you're, I know what you're asking. I think some of my favourites have been the long, there's some longer adventures. I think the record is about 10 and a half hours across two days where I played multiple characters. I kind of created a whole world. I was Granny Edna. I had, I played her grandson, her grandson's dad, all these different characters. At one point, even my own voice right now, I was pretending to be a tech, I was pretending to be another scammer from the worldwide webwide tech support agency or something. And <laughs> I, I would, I would call in periodically while the one scammer was trying to steal Edna, the, the grandma's money. And, and she would say something like, oh, I, oh, I'm getting another phone call. And then I would hop in with my own voice and say, ma'am, hang up the phone. That guy's a scammer. Like, you know. And he would start fighting with me. And those have been a lot of fun because it becomes a whole almost world, <laughs> this evolving yeah. story over 10 hours. The more complex ones are really interesting as well. The ones where you've kind of you've built your own bank for them to log in. Yeah. And the ones where you've put effort into you know, having your own version of Google. So it sends them to the, to the 10th page. So, you know, the, the, the exact page that they're looking for isn't there and the results are different and you can kind of, you can hear the panic in, in their, in their voice of, hang on a sec, this isn't going to script. I need to, I need to work out what to do. And it's, it's that kind of thing that just fascinates me. Do you kind of, do you go through the scam and then think of the things that you can build? Yeah. And people, send a lot of suggestions in what you just said. One of my biggest goals is to get them off script because I think that's when the most interesting things happen. Uh, the, whether it's that they're angry or they open up about their life or it's just, that's when the unexpected happens because what they do every single day is they read a piece of paper with all their script that they're supposed to read. And at this point, I think I could probably go through most of them <laughs> just because I've heard it so many times, but getting them off script is when they start to get sometimes anxious or scared too, because they don't know what to do when you ask tough questions or present them with difficult situations. Yeah. I, I've watched a couple where the kind of the humanity comes out right at the end and it's just like, look, I'm, I'm you know, I'm sorry. Or, you know, the, the like more scary ones are the, the ones where they get really angry mm -hmm. uh, because you've led them off script. So like with that, has anything kind of truly shocked you with all, all your time Ooh, doing this? I think if I'm honest, I'm less shocked today than I was two years ago, partially because I'm just happens pretty often to me. I try to remember that when I'm going through it to remember to highlight the things that would be shocking if you've never heard this before. But uh, a few of those shocking, there has been times where they have, you know, threatened to, to come to my house and kill me. Not me, Kit Boga, like the grandma, because she is under arrest because her social security number was stolen or whatever, it, whatever stupid scam they're trying to pull off on her. And they've just tried to instill fear in this grandma. There's times where it's really hard to stomach and think, how can a person, like I get, I get that maybe you want some money. I get, you know, we could talk about all the particulars, you know, how do you do that to another human being? And I think... I've, I think I've met some people who maybe just truly lack empathy or truly lack the ability to think about another human being. And that's been weird 
I don't think I've met people in real life <laughs> like that, other than other than this over the phone. So has it become easier or harder in this day and age, do you think, to find these scammers and trick them? Or or are they becoming more or less sophisticated, do you think? Well, well, there are some that have stayed exactly the same. And I don't know if it's because it just works well. Maybe they've figured out a script that works and they figure, why change it? Um, Or maybe they just don't have the means to adapt. I'm not sure. Others have... Uh, you were talking about the fake bank account, for example. That's been one of the big ones lately is they say that you're getting a refund. And some of them have gone to the extent of saying, hi, we're from Microsoft. We saw that you got scammed in the past. And now the, now the government is giving us the ability to go back and refund you the money. And they want access to your bank account. <laughs> but they, of course, are scammers. So we know you kind of also do this to raise awareness of these scams. Have you managed to affect change in any of the, the, the pranks that you've played? Kind of, you know, the the humanity aside of, of you know, these suddenly coming out and, and you know, the, the awareness of, of how these scripts work, I guess. I think so. It's, it's hard because it's hard to quantify it. I think there's been a 30 million plus views on on YouTube now and 11 million on Twitch. And I don't think that necessarily counts all of the shares on social media. I'm not sure. And I would like to think that if 40, you know, 40 million views, let's say, I, I know they're some of the same people probably watch it more than once. So I won't pretend that it's 40 million unique people. That's Matt, you know, <laughs> showing his parents over and over again. <laughs> but, even if it was half of that, even if it was 20 million unique individuals had a chance to, to laugh and see that these scams exist and maybe they didn't know it existed. And I've, I've had people email and message me or in the Twitch stream, you can chat live and, and share about how their dad called them the other night and they said, Oh, I got one of those calls that you told me about. It was, you know, they were telling me that my social security number was stolen, but they might not have known. And they might have fallen for it. I think that's a big thing. Yeah, it, it definitely sounds like it. And I, you know, I, I think the 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 comedy factor of the of the videos really really does help in in kind of playing these these scripts out, so people can identify kind of key things. Right? It's the uh, it, it's always small things that that give these away if you're not so tech savvy. So. If you had any any security tips or takeaways for our for our listeners to kind of avoid this sort of thing, what what would they be? Mm, good question. I, that's this is always somewhat adapting for me too because I think, and I'm not just saying this because I'm on your podcast. I do think password managers are very important. <laughs> <laughs> I do, I do suggest it. You didn't pay him to say that. <laughs> yes, it is, yeah, hashtag not an ad. But I do think a password manager is important. I do think something um, I mention a lot on the stream, and you kind of brought this up before, is especially for maybe other generations, it was normal to answer your phone all the time. And it was normal to put your information in a phone book. But I think today you need to be way more careful about where you put your information, what information you share and when you get a phone call, that's a number you don't recognize. I highly recommend not answering it. Like if it's 
if it's really important, maybe they'll leave a voicemail for you. Uh, the second thing I say a lot is don't be afraid to hang up on people because if it, if it really is a, a dire legal situation, even then, right? I think we would all agree you still have time and there's really never going to be a situation where the government or someone needs you to right now pay all of this money or you're going to go to prison for 20 years or something. There's a, there's legal systems in place for this. You, you can talk to lawyers, but scammers work off of trying to get you to do something immediately and not thinking about it. So I try to encourage, don't answer your phone as often as you might think. And don't be afraid to hang up and think about it. Definitely. Yeah, I do exactly the same. And that's, that's some amazing advice. Uh, I, I, I think technology is definitely going the way to support that as well. Uh, one of the things that there is in iOS 13, I believe, that's, that's coming out soon is the ability to just mark, like hide all calls yeah. that aren't in your contacts. And I think that's, that's a huge you know, hit to this type of thing. I'm definitely going to turn that on. Uh, on my parents' phones. Yeah, take your time, do your research is, a, is definitely a big thing for sure. All right. Well, I think that's all we've got time for. It has been a pleasure um, talking with you. And uh, where can people find out more about you? Sure. Well, if you search for Kitboga, K I T B O G A, on whatever your favorite search engine is, you'll probably find me on Twitch and YouTube or Twitter. That's where I am most of the time. Uh, we do a lot of fun, interesting things. At least I think so. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for coming on. It's been great. Yeah, thank you guys. It was a lot of fun. Cool. So yeah, we ran a giveaway last week and we've picked a couple of winners. Uh, it was quite a tricky one. We had loads of really good suggestions. So it was a fairly like open-ended competition, right? Yeah. It, it was like just come up with suggestions that you feel uh, like you, we should do. Uh, which I, I kind of liked. We got such a broad range of suggestions uh, and, and you know, not make another episode was not one of them. So uh, I'm, I'm happy with that. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. So we decided to pick two winners from these because we had some really good ones. I kind of feel like Oprah or Ellen DeGeneres just handing out shirts this week. Just like, you get a shirt, you get a shirt. You, but anyway, so the winners we've decided are Thomas and Andre. So Thomas, he had a new segment idea, which was using technology or data for acts of kindness. I love that one. Please, please do that one. Yeah, I think we could all do with having some more kindness in the world right now. So I like that one. I thought we could uh, could definitely do that in the future. And yeah, the second one we had from Andre, which just made me laugh, honestly. <laughs> but he says, um, I'm always looking forward to a new episode of your podcast. So far, I like the format, the guests and all that. Just the lack of giveaways is not ideal. <laughs> we need more one password t-shirts out there, which I agree with, to be honest, Andre. I loved that that was a suggestion for us doing a giveaway. Yeah. So, yeah, that that's a simple one, but I'm in a giving mood. So, uh, yeah, I think we should run more giveaways. So There's also one uh, that, that I'm going to, you know, give give some one password credit out to because uh, he said yeah, we, we should definitely have more one password tips, which we, we kind of assume that if you're listening to this, uh, it means that you're 
you know, a heavy one password user and, and stuff. But I, I think there's still tips that we can give out. Yeah. So I really like that one as well. But yeah, just because you didn't win doesn't mean I'm not kind of looking at your suggestions and taking them on board for the podcast. So keep them coming. If you've got any more, we'll make sure we read them all and take them on board. You, you know what I love about tips is even if you already know them, it's kind of nice because you, you hear them and you kind of feel smart when you hear them. You're like, oh, I knew that. Ah, so. <laughs> yeah, I already did that. That's how smart I am. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, you, so you can't lose. You can't lose. You either learn something or you feel good. I should add as well, everybody should say uh, thank you to Dave for the T-shirts because uh, Dave, uh, one of your T-shirts got old and, and, you know, got holes in it and stuff. My favorite red one. And so I, I printed a load more. So so now we have a load of T-shirts. <laughs> we have Dave to thank. <laughs> how many How many did you print? I printed 50. 50? Wow. 50. I, I feel like we're set for a couple of episodes. Yeah. Don't we also have you to thank for the podcast as well? Yeah, this was your idea. Oh, I'm so happy you brought that up because I, I wanted to talk about this. And we're, you know, we're asking the users for suggestions and stuff like that, right? So I, I think it's important that I share the story of how I originally saw this. So way back when, probably two years ago, right? Like it, it took some time, but I've been wanting to have a podcast for the longest time. And in my head, it was very, very one password centric. So don't get me wrong. I love, I love the format of the show. I don't want to change the format of this show, but I, I keep on thinking maybe there's room for like a second format, which would be closer to what I originally had envisioned. And we, we do so many interesting things here. There's so many new technologies we use. There's so many things we experiment with. And I just wanted to have like maybe a, a weekly show or every other week where we would invite developers and designers and customer support staff. Like we would invite all sorts of people from, from within 1Password and they would just join the show and just talk about what they do, the, the tools they use, the technologies they use, things like, you know, what, what new languages uh, we're using and, and why we're using them. It could also be like a feature of 1Password. And, and I wanted to like not be too secretive about like upcoming features. I, like I always enjoy listening to people talk about a, a dream that they have of some feature that they want, but they're having ch challenges creating it. Right. And I just thought that would be a, a really neat show. So I, I wanted to throw it out there and see if the audience here, uh, if, if, that, if that's something that resonates with them. And, and if it does, we, we could, could stand up like a separate show here and um, kind of have more of, more of that type of an angle. I like that. Yeah, sounds good. Maybe, yeah, folks can use the Ask One Password hashtag as well and let us know what they think about that. I'm so glad we, we managed to take your idea and run with it in, in completely the opposite direction yeah. <laughs> from what you envisioned. What? <laughs> So it's, it, it's so true. It's so true. And when I listened to the first episode, I was like, that's not at all what I was thinking. And then I listened to like the se second episode and the third episode. And I was like, you know what? This is not at all what I was thinking, but I think it's better. Right. Aww. I really like it. I, I want it to continue. All right. I think we've we've gone a, a little off track, but we can uh, we can absolutely get back. So, Anna, what the phrase? So this week we have a Mongolian phrase, which is may your moustache grow like brushwood. I mean, Dave, you've been putting some thought into this, apparently. Uh, I, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> so I was really happy you shared this with me before the show so I could have some time to think about it. And I did not I did not Google it. Absolutely not. That would be cheating. Good. But I was I was thinking it through. And to me... I think it sounds like, you know, it's like a good luck phrase. Like it's like someone's wishing you goodwill. And why I think that is, 
Mongolia can get fairly hot, but it can also get incredibly cold. Yeah. And so I'm just thinking, you know, winter's coming and you don't have much of a mustache yet. You don't have much of a beard. And so someone's wishing you good luck to grow that out so that you can survive the winter. <laughs> oh. I enjoy the backstory that you've um, formulated around this phrase. <laughs> <laughs> I put a lot of thought to it. Yeah, this is more thought than we've ever put into a what the phrase. I love it, yeah. I mean, now all I can think of is, yeah, to protect you from winter. But like, you know, I think brushwood is like thick. So maybe it's good luck to have like a really good facial hair. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so are you itching to know? Yes. Okay. So this is actually how the Mongols say bless you when you've sneezed. Oh. <laughs> oh, wow. I feel like you were sort of on the right line. So when you said wishing someone luck, you know, sort of what you do when you say bless you. Yeah. I think we nailed this one. <laughs> I think so. All right, I think that's all we've got time for. Uh, our first ruler show. I mean, I guess wherever he is, uh, love you, Rue. Yeah. Love you, Rue. And love you, Dave, too. <laughs> love you, Dave. Love you, too. Bye-bye. <laughs>